You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. So nice to have you with us this morning. Uh, Welcome back. Nick Medelsky here in wonderful Wasika on Real Presence Live this morning. I had a great uh, talk with our executive director about the upcoming banquets as well as the Fall Live Drive. I'd love to see each and every one of our listeners here in the Rochester area attend our banquet because it's much nicer to to meet in person as well. I love our, our chats we're able to share on Real Presence Live, but it's also fun to see each other in person and, and have more of an informal time to, to hang out with one another. Our next interview, it comes to us from the Metropolitan Sea of our ecclesiastical province, uh, which includes Minnesota as well as North and South Dakota. So the uh, the Archdiocese of St. Paul and Minneapolis. And Father Brian Lynch is joining us this morning uh, from Oakdale, Minnesota, which is just east of St. Paul. He's the associate pastor at Transfiguration Parish, and I guess I should... Stop telling people uh, about you and just uh, let, let you introduce yourself, Father. So uh, welcome to the show this morning. Good morning. Thanks. Yeah, um, so yeah, I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis. I've been uh, ordained for 15 years, and I'm not a, a, a native Minnesotan, but I've lived here for 27 years, so about half of my life has been here, and uh, I was... Uh, I'm, on today, it, it probably isn't on the radio for a lot of our listeners, but um, it, today's an exciting day for me. I was born in New York and, and raised in Connecticut, and I, I grew up, uh, and this will be uh, very unpopular, I, I grew up a Yankees fan, and with um, <laughs> with the, the, the one-game playoff tonight, I'm having beautiful nostalgic memories of 1978 when Bucky Dent hit uh, hit a home run against the Red Sox at Fenway Park and so it's a, it's a beautiful day it's a beautiful day <laughs> well awesome well uh you know um, we're uh, we love uh, love to have you with us this morning unfortunately not talking about baseball this morning's interview no, that's but maybe okay. in the future maybe in the future <laughs> we will though you know that's uh I've heard a lot of people, uh, you know, apply uh, theology to uh, to sports. You know, we use a lot of sports metaphors, so maybe that's that's a future exactly. interview we can have. Uh, so good. This morning, uh, we're talking about the Shroud of Turin, uh, as I mentioned before the break, and we'll get to that in a second. But first, could you tell us a little bit about uh, your your vocation story, your journey to the priesthood? Yeah. So it's really um, so the Shroud of Turin is will make sense when people understand my background. As I said, I, I, I've lived here for 27 years, and in fact, I came uh, to Minnesota from Penn State University, where I had studied science, uh, to work for 3M as a scientist. And one of the great consequences of having been raised in New England and studying in Pennsylvania and then moving to St. Paul was that um, I had picked up baggage of, of various kinds through, over those uh, my 24 years or so, uh-huh. and um, I was I moved to St. Paul, and I didn't know a soul, so I could become whatever I wanted to be. I, there was no <laughs> peer pressure to do anything, and um, so I had been getting religion, and uh, moving to St. Paul was a, was a huge part of my ability to really... Uh, to really embrace the gospel and uh, and and understand and discern God's call. So um, 
I'm 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 very grateful for uh, for having uh, moved to St. Paul and, and the 3M the help 3M gave me the <laughs> encouragement to do that and um, and yeah so as as a, as a scientist then uh, becoming a priest the Shroud of Turin as if perhaps people know exactly but the the, the Shroud of Turin is is the it almost certainly the most fascinating fascinating um, cross. Uh, cross section between science and religion because of the nature of of, of the the artifact and uh, so yeah so that that's how I'm here yeah absolutely so uh, maybe uh, speak a little bit more about that uh, that you know the shroud of Turin being at this kind of unique intersection right of faith and science yeah yeah so well the shroud you know the shroud of Turin is um, what many people, myself included, believe to be the the biblical burial cloth of Christ. It's mentioned in uh, in all four Gospels. It's mentioned that Jesus had was prepared for burial with 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 linen cloth, and Joseph of Arimathea was responsible for that. And um, so, if if that is in fact true, if it is. The burial cloth of Jesus, as as many believe, it is the most significant object that exists. Right? It it, it uh-huh. would be the witness. It would be the witness to the resurrection, and um, and so people will, of course, want to um, analyze the shroud and and see what they can learn about it from science, as as we do with. With so many things, when we're scrutinizing them, their authenticity in particular, and so many, many different kinds of tests have been done uh, to try to prove or disprove the the authenticity of of the shroud of Turin as that authentic burial cloth of, of Jesus, and that 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 requires scientists performing many different kinds of uh, analytical chemistry tests. Right, and uh, for for our listeners that aren't uh, familiar, I think it, kind of in the secular world, people might not realize that the church is is fairly open, right, to uh, things like the Shroud of Turin being verified. I mean, obviously, you can't do any you know extensive tests that would destroy it completely, right? Yeah, uh, but, yeah. But there yeah, have been a lot of a lot of you know scientific tests uh, that have been run on it to really understand what it is, right? You know, it. We, we can see yeah. what we think it is, right? But there's also yep. a lot of science to, to back that up, right? It's not just a pious devotion. There's a lot of hard science right. behind that as well. That's right. There, there's, um, the, the, uh, the, there's the, the devotional aspect for, for sure, and, uh, and, and so it is kept in, in an enormous reliquary <laughs> right. in, in the cathedral in, in Turin. It, it's owned by the, 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 the Holy Father, the, the Church uh, received it from the uh, from the last president of Italy as a gift. Um, so it, it's it's a uh, it's a it's a it's at the very least uh, an icon and and, right. and a relic, or well, and it's at the very least an icon, and and we. I believe, and others believe that it is, in fact, the the burial cloth. the The reason that some people have not heard of it is that one of the tests, the carbon dating test, had placed it at about 
13, the year 1300, which, of course, if that was the, the actual uh, right. date and age of the shroud, it, it, it could not be the authentic burial cloth. But there's, um, there's many other sorts of, of tests that, that have been done and research that's been done that suggests that it, that it did exist prior to that date and that it, it, it may, in fact, if it be the, the, the original, the authentic burial cloth. So Absolutely. That's, yeah. That's, I, go ahead, Father. Sorry. Yeah. That, so, so it's, if people haven't heard about it, it's almost certainly because of that one carbon dating test that um, suggests that it's, that it's not the authentic burial cloth. But there's lots of reasons to to believe that. Though the test, I and other others accept that the test said that the materials that were tested were that old. They were only you know 700 years old or so. Um, only. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Only 700 years. There, there's 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 plenty of of uh, reason to believe that. The, the materials that were tested do not give the age of the of the actual shroud of Turin. Right, and uh, I'd love to go uh, talk a little bit more about some of those specific, you know, indicators, those scientific indicators that they've uh, found. Uh, but we do have a break to get through, and hopefully after the break we can talk about some of those things as well as a display Great. at your parish now. So stay tuned with us on Real Presence Live to hear more about the Shroud of Turin. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar. In this world of suffering and pain today, we've all experienced some kind of loss, especially the death of a loved one. There's an opportunity for us to still help them, however. And I invite you to please visit our website, suicideandhope.com. If you have lost someone tragically, please enter their name. You do not have to put their full name. You can put initials or a first name or even a nickname. But I will personally pray for each and every person whose name is entered onto that website in memorial. I will also say a Mass every month for these people, imploring God's mercy upon the salvation of their soul. So there is no obligation, there is no cost. All we ask is that you bring your heart and the love that you have for your loved one to our site, list them there, and allow us to pray for them. Again, suicideandhope.com. Choose the number one nursing program in the nation, the University of Mary. Of more than 2,000 nursing programs nationwide, Mary is ranked number one by the National Benchmarking Service Mountain Measurement. 100% of our graduates pass their certification on the first try. And eligible nursing students receive their senior year of tuition free. Choose the best nursing program in the nation. Check us out at umary.edu nursing. That's umary.edu nursing. Hello again. Thank you for staying tuned with us here on Real Presence Live this beautiful Tuesday morning. It's a 
wonderful weather here in Wasika, Minnesota. We have Father Brian Lynch from the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis on the phone with us, talking about the Shroud of Turin. And uh, for the break, especially with Father's uh, background in the uh, in the hard sciences, so to speak, uh, we were talking about some of the the scientific proof that underlies. Uh, the uh, you know the 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 belief that the shroud of Turin is in fact the burial cloth mentioned in the Gospels uh, from the tomb of Christ. So uh, we we mentioned how that uh, that that carbon dating uh, that one of the carbon dating uh, uh, attempts showed that it was. Uh, you know, the fabric was maybe from the uh, the 14th century, 1300s, somewhere in there. Um, could you just explain a little bit about uh, why that that might might have been, why why that was the case? Yeah. Um, well, the um, there's all kinds of reasons to to um, to question whether that that sample was representative of of the shroud itself and um, and then also, there were, were a, a number of protocols were were abandoned. Probably, maybe the good some of the good motivation was to maybe preserve as much of the shroud because some of these the carbon fourteen is a destructive test, so you don't want right. to test more material than you need to. But you also need to do a sufficient number of samples, and um, and so um, a lot of the the protocols for taking. Um, samples from different sections of the shroud and in areas that were more obviously representative of the shroud. It seems to me that clearly you would, if you wanted the most representative, you'd take something from the center of the shroud where, um, right. where it was uh, um, probably less likely to have been contaminated, but um, it was unfortunately taking from a corner and, um, because the shroud has been damaged by fire, there have been repairs done, and there have been uh, other materials added to the, the the shroud. You can see the in any standard image, you see the patches. Um, the 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 shroud itself would have, when it was held in public display over over um, now centuries, it would have been handled at that very spot. Um, and there would there's there's unfortunately there's a lot of potential for contamination and in fact almost intentional contamination contamination because people wanted to to touch it because they right. it's the 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 it's it's Jesus' burial cloth so they <laughs> right. want to touch it and they want to put other artifact touch our other artifacts to it so that they take on like a relic status um, so there, there's yeah. There, there's lots of reasons to question whether the the sample is that was tested was actually representative of of the whole of the whole shroud. Right, and uh, for perhaps one of the the coolest things uh, to me is kind of the the way that the image was made. Um, yeah, there've been a lot of tests on that. Could you could you explain a little bit about that to us? Yeah, answers? well, the most the most probably significant date in all of this, and it's going to be hard for people younger than me to understand this, but photography <laughs> is, photography didn't exist at the time of, of Jesus, and right. only in the in the 19th century, in the 1800s, do we have it. And then, uh, and at the at, at the end of, um, 
at the end of the, the 19th century, uh, when the shroud was uh, on display, an Italian photographer named Zagando Pia, in um, 1898, he was allowed to take a photo photographs of the of the shroud. At the time, photography was was very primitive, and and um, it was done with light sensitive chemicals. So. Um, Light would cause the exposure to light would cause material to turn darker, and greater exposure to light would would cause it to turn darker or more dark. And so, what um, the exposures would be they would be they would be ex- exposed to the shroud for for minutes and and. This, there was an intermediate step we no longer have with our cell phone cameras called right. a negative. A negative. Right. So a negative reverses the light and the dark in an image. And when Secundo Pia um, developed uh, his negative in the dark room, it had to be pr- protected from light because otherwise light would turn the the negative completely black right, right. when he when he when he de- developed this negative he saw that the light and the dark as seen on the shroud were reversed and it the face of Jesus jumped out as being it is as a photograph of of a human face the significance of this is that Photography was only developed within a few decades of of Secundo Pia's uh, right. own photograph, and it it seems that the shroud it it anticipated photography by centuries, if not millennia. Right. Um, so it, it it was it was a shocking revelation that that the shroud. The shroud itself, the image on the shroud itself, is a photographic negative. So, how someone could a could think of creating a photographic negative before the technology existed is right. kind of mind blowing. Or have the means to do it, right? And um, have the means to do it exactly. It, it's 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 rather uh, uh, astonishing. Yeah, absolutely. It's a uh, it's, that was one thing that that really jumped out to me, and uh, there's there's been various documentaries produced about the shroud, but that was one really fascinating thing is to see that how the image was made, right, is as if yeah. it were a photographic negative, right. So um, yeah. that's something that obviously people in the 1300s, uh, you know, even going all the way back to Jesus' time, they didn't have the technology to do that, even if no. they had the idea to do it, right? So yeah. uh, that's that's one of the things that really sticks out uh, with the shroud, that it's really such a, uh, a unique piece of evidence there. Um, so recently, and we're kind of coming to the close here, but I want to make sure we get it in. Um, recently, your parish put up a display about the shroud. Could you tell us, our listeners, a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah, in, in 1978, there was a, a real significant examination by an Ameri- mostly American team of scientists, uh, intern of the shroud of the shroud, and 3M was involved with that those testings, and uh, had 
created a photographic uh, reproduction of the shroud, and we we um, because we have a friend who was working for 3M in Europe, uh, we we acquired the uh, this photographic rep- uh, reproduction from him, and it's an, wow. it's a nice display case, and it's backlit, and it, it just is. Uh, it's uh, it's about half it's about half size area wise of of the shroud itself because the shroud itself is fourteen feet long it's it's quite a uh, quite a a long piece of fabric but right. um, so, yeah so now it's been, it's been put in our uh, in our church and and I'm currently working on language about how to to explain to people how they can so they can benefit from from the image. All right, and if people want to find out how to get to the uh, to the parish to visit, uh, where where would they uh, where would they go? Yeah, you know, Transfiguration M dot org, I, I believe is is the address. You know, it, it, we're like the only Transfiguration in Minnesota, I think. So, <laughs> so if you Google us, uh, if, if you're if uh, we're we're one mile north. East of 3M headquarters. So if you're at, if wow. you know where 3M headquarters is on 94, you take the Century uh, exit north, and you just turn uh, turn east on on Fifteenth uh, Street, and you'll you'll be right there. So once again, uh, transfigurationmn.org, Transfiguration Parish in Oakdale, Minnesota, just outside of St. Paul and near the 3M headquarters. Father Brian Lynch, thank you for joining us this morning. My pleasure. And now we'll push things off to fabulous Fargo, and Eli will give us a preview of tomorrow's show. Hey, thanks, Nick. Very interesting show today. Got another good one coming up for you tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network, hosted by Jack and Rian Canelli, coming to you from our Fargo studios. They'll visit with Bishop David Kagan of the Diocese of Bismarck. He'll tell us why the rosary is so important. Plus, Father Bill Niemiller will tell us about a rosary for those serving in the military. Plus, Angela Wambach from the Women's Care Center will tell us how walking with women through an unplanned pregnancy can help. All that and a whole lot more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Right back to you. All right. Thank you for that, Eli. And actually, if... uh if you're still on the line with us, Father Brian, would you give us your blessing quickly? Sure. Yeah. But, uh, we we've got uh, Our Lady of the Rosary coming up here, and a lot of great saints. But Our Lady in a couple of days. So through the intercession of Blessed Virgin Mary, may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.